Welcome back to the Home with Havala podcast. We're so excited you're here for episode two of our summer series, Everyday Wins. And today is number two, relationships. And Havala is having such a powerful conversation with Alice Sanders, who is a communication specialist. Alice and her husband do marriage preparation courses. Alice is a speaker and she enjoys speaking at various events about relationships. And she also hosts the Stay Connected Experience, which is a marriage workshop. All the links to find her and stay connected are going to be in the show notes, but you can go to alwaysstayconnected.org as well as at the official love journal on Instagram. Alice is going to share more about that in the episode. And today, Alice and Havila are diving into all things healthy relationships, intimacy, healthy marriages. It's such a powerful episode. It's timely. You're going to love it. And make sure you check out the show notes to go find Alice after the show. Welcome to the Home with Havla podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. This entire summer series is about 10 wins, the areas that we think you should be winning in your life and the things that when you start to actually win in the everyday in these areas, life gets full and abundant and powerful. We get to be powerful, even if we don't get to change maybe our environment or the people that we live with or the town that we live in. We get to be powerful because guess what? The power lies within us, the Holy Spirit, our choices, our attitudes, all the things. And so today we're talking about the win of relationships. Yeah. Relationships. Now I get it. There are a portion of you that maybe aren't married and you're like, okay, is this going to be a whole marriage podcast? Listen, let me tell you as a former single woman for a long time, I learned so much about relationships in the areas that I would have absolutely ignored and thought that doesn't apply to me because relationships are relationships, but we are going to major a little bit on marriage as well. So stick around, hopefully you'll pick something up. And if nothing else, you'll put it in your little library of, of life choices and life information that you can use in the future, in your future relationships. So today I'm not alone. I have invited Alice Sanders, but she is a communication specialist. And honestly, I'm kind of leaning in today too, because I would like to know everything she's been thinking about, dreaming about, researching, studying all about relationships. So Alice, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Havala. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. Ah, Me too. I'm beyond ecstatic. It's going to be exciting conversation today. And you are in Orlando, Florida, and Mm -hmm. you are... You have a husband. How long have you been married? I do. (laughs) I have one husband and two kiddos. So this year will be 11 years in August. And we have a six-year-old and a three-year-old and they're both boys. Oh gosh. So you are living my story. (laughs) I am. I found out about you from the mom of men. Is it the mom of men course that you and Lisa did? And I've been hooked ever since. Oh man, we, I think Lisa and I call it the mob. We're part of the mob. Moms of boys. Me too. Uh, Yeah. You're in, you're in. I'm a mobster. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) And the amazing part is they're so little. I mean, that's the best stage. Like that, that age is just, they already are like walking on their own, talking. They're little people. That's true. When I look at my little ones, I definitely feel like, wow, 
but it's also pressure. I mean, I just kids in general is pressure, but it's like, <laughs> man, I'm responsible for like cultivating you. And, you know, they always talk about how when you have trauma in your life, like typically it steers, it stems from childhood. So I'm like, yes. Alice, don't get it wrong. Yes. Like, come on, God, give us grace. <laughs> Please cover our mess ups. <laughs> I, know. I said, well, I'm going to, I'm either going to pay for college or counseling. So either way, either way, test. you know, and it might be both. <laughs> it probably will be both, or I may not pay for either, depending exactly. on how it all works out. Uh, but the, but the boys are so fun. And it is, I said, that's the age when they still believe you. And that's yes. the best part is that you're still, and as a, I mean, this is not about parenting. So we'll, I won't stay here too long, but I love being a mama boys because you're the very first woman they fall in love with. Yeah. I mean, that is really how it feels, right? It does. They'll tell oh. me they're like, there was this, something was on TV and my oldest, he's six. He said something like, basically like she seemed pretty. And he said, but she is not the most beautiful. He said, mom, you are the most beautiful. I said, thank you, babe. Done, done, undone. That's why you have my heart. That's right. That's why you're living in my home. Yes, keep speaking that out. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm curious. We're talking about relationships today. Mm -hmm. And I I just want to know, how did you start this journey? And what took you to a place where you became really a communication specialist in regards to having interactions with other people? Sure. I mean, it's been such a beautiful journey. Um, I like to call it my love journey, actually, because I'm a communications professor. So that's what I teach. I teach communication to students. And as I was learning while teaching, I just realized a lot of the information that I was sharing with my students could be applied to relationships. It could be applied specifically to marriages. And I was just thinking about how many people don't have access to the information that's at my fingertips, to the knowledge that I've accumulated from my studies, et cetera. And it sort of was birthed from there. I mean, I've always had a passion for marriages and for relationships, even prior to getting married. But definitely once I was married, my goal was to thrive. My goal was to be happily married and to be able to say that with a pure heart and be really honest and be able to declare, hey, yeah, I'm happily married and not have that, well, not really side, you know? Totally. And you and I both know that's not an automatic, like that Um, takes work. It does. Right. (laughs) So when you started looking at your communication, things that you were learning about, what were some things that stood out to you that immediately pulled you in and thought I could apply this? Oh, I love that because there was a season where we were doing monthly events at our church. And I would always pull from my communication research, apply it to the Bible and present it to uh, our marriage ministry. And one of the things that I love to discuss is intimacy, Mm. how intimacy is developed and how it requires vulnerability. And when studying interpersonal communication, that's, that's what they're discussing. How do you deepen a relationship? And that is my jam. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you found a connection with the intimacy required vulnerability. So how did you, did you immediately think, gosh, we are not being taught this? I wouldn't say that I thought we're not being taught this, but I think I was thinking more so 
maybe I did think that because it was new to me. I think how to apply it is what I felt we weren't being taught because when you get married, you hear all the time, everyone says communicate, you know, what's the most important thing, communicate, but how do I communicate? That is what I think was missing. And that's what I want to share like with stay connected. It's something that I created and it's simply to be a safe place and to provide resources so that marriages can deepen their intimacy through healthy communication and quality time. So I think often the how is missing. I love that. Okay. So let's dive into that idea. So Mm. you started seeing like, okay, there's some really important aspects to intimacy and communication. So Mm -hmm. when did you start to think, okay, here's some practical ways to begin, like practical ways to start living it out in your everyday life? Uh, I would say probably before my second child was born, let's say he's only three. So maybe around five years ago, I really started diving in deep into that. Just learning how when I am sharing personal information with my husband, I'll just use us as an example. When I share personal information with him, it creates a sense of intimacy between us. And as a result of him feeling intimate with me, he then often will share personal information. And so then I receive that feeling of intimacy and it's a cycle. The more I share, the more intimate he feels, the more intimate he feels, the more he shares and it just keeps going. And so the idea is to challenge yourself as an individual to go there because we all know that vulnerability is hard. That's not easy. Vulnerability literally means to sort of put yourself in danger. So I'm going to emotionally expose myself in hopes that it's going to deepen intimacy between me and my spouse. Okay. Wow. All right. So I'm thinking about that. Obviously, you know, my first five years of marriage were tough and it had to do with this aspect of, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to be vulnerable, but not necessarily trusting that what I would share would be received or that the response I needed to feel safe, I was going to get. And so what happens if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I, I feel like it's like, it swings both ways. So there's people that just overshare everything Mm -hmm. and then are devastated when the person that they are sharing with can't receive it or doesn't respond the way they need. Or there's others that are like, I want to share, but I don't trust my partner. That's good. And that is real because we also do premarital counseling and marriage coaching, things of the sort. And often that is one of the common thoughts. I'm not sharing because I don't trust that this is a safe place. Yeah. And typically people feel that it's not a safe place because of the past. So maybe last time I shared, you ignored me. Or last time I shared, you started yelling. Or last time I shared, you know, you put up a wall and we didn't talk for a week. So the idea is you almost have to have a conversation prior to. And if you and your spouse are having trouble having these tough conversations, I totally recommend getting a mediator, see a counselor, Mm -hmm. see a therapist so that you're able to have these conversations in a healthy way. But if you are able to have that conversation, perhaps it could go something like this, babe, I've got something that I really want to share, 
but it's very personal and it's very sensitive to me. Therefore, I am asking that you do not respond in anger. I'm asking that you listen and hear me out and then we can talk about it. So maybe put disclaimers out. I am the queen of a good disclaimer. (laughs) Put it out there, you know, try to prepare your spouse by letting them know what you need, by what you desire from them. Instead of blindsiding them with the deepest parts of your heart. So that takes vulnerability. Like I wasn't raised um, with my mom and and the way that she, I I never learned that. Meaning it was always like, I reached to a point of, I got to talk about this. And then Mm -hmm. I, even as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, I, I learned to blindside. I learned to like, finally, it just bubbled up and I was going to share it no matter what. And right. it was usually protected with anger or, you know, the absolutes of you always and you never. Mm. So I love this, but it does take vulnerability to even say that to someone to say, I've got something really important, but how respectful to the other yeah. person to say, I don't expect you to be on demand, ready to re- ready to receive my most intimate feelings and emotions and choices and things that have happened. So do you, do you talk about it at that moment or do you recommend waiting, giving them a heads up? Like we're going to talk about this in a little bit, or I'm about to share something with you and then sharing it. It depends in my mind. That's a phrase that I like to use a lot when I'm thinking <laughs> about it. If it requires my spouse to ponder, consider, and, you know, sort out their emotions also, then we wait. So if I'm asking him, you know, well, why did you do this? Or I need you to really think about this and reflect how you feel about things. Then I would give the disclaimer. And then I would say, so maybe we can talk about it Friday over dinner. Okay. But if I'm just sharing information and I don't really expect anything back, then you could give the disclaimer and then just share. But once again, let them know I'm just sharing my feelings. I'm not attacking you. We don't have to have the conversation now. I just want you to know how I feel. I love that. So I'm, I'm a bit big advocate for counselors as well. A, a neutral yeah. third party in the room. I also learned it is. And I also learned the strategy that if you have to talk about something that's kind of volatile to do mm-hmm. it in public, which sounds funny, but go to a restaurant, go to a coffee yes. shop and talk because people will automatically change their behavior because of the environment and the accountability in the environment, right? Havla, context (laughs) is so huge. Like this was one of the pieces that really made me say, wow, I need to share this with as many people as I can, because there's something called the communication model. And it walks you through how we communicate. And a part of it is context. And context is the atmosphere. It's everything about the atmosphere, the time. How do I feel? Am I hungry? You know, am I watching a game? Am I playing video games? Because often, like you, I can be an individual who wants to get it out now. If I'm feeling that pressure on my heart, let's talk about it now. (laughs) But that's so selfish because I'm not realizing, oh, he just walked in the door from work. Yeah, maybe he wants to relax and decompress. You know, I'm not thinking, oh, she's had the kids all day long. Maybe I should let her eat first and then we can talk about it because hanger is real. It's a real (laughs) thing. Eat first. 
That's right. I love this. Um, it's something that Ben and I often do is we kind of pull back in the conversation and we're like, I'm really struggling or I need this. And then we just kind of um, revisit what we did that day or revisit like, hey, this, let me just look, let's just look at what we did this weekend. And we give, and, and almost going back and revisiting all that the person's holding on to, all that we've experienced together, almost allows there to be an empathy in the space. So when we do share, it's like, okay, babe, we just did this, 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 and this. Yeah. I know you just got done from work. I know you had the kids all day, but I really, and so I guess my question is, Alice, how do we start the conversation without the other person thinking they're in trouble? Oh, that's good. That's good. And that can be touchy. It really depends on the individual. Because I used to say, I had a phrase and my husband would always be like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and I'm like, babe, don't do that. You know, that's not, that's not how this is going to go. So really, I think it's a matter of establishing love. My pastor likes to say, love first. And I think that's what it is. You establish love. And of course, the other may feel like, oh boy, you know, something's about to drop. And I mean, it is true. So if they're feeling that it's because it's truth, like something is about to drop, you know, <laughs> but I want you to know that I'm not dropping it because I want you to feel like crap. I'm not right. about to say this because I want you to feel pain. And I think as the individual who is speaking, who's about to share, it's your job as a good communicator to make sure that you've already sifted through your emotions so that you are not saying whatever you're about to say to hurt them. In a That's marriage, really if your goal, if you realize, oh yeah, I'm about to let them have it because I felt this and they did that to me. If your goal is revenge, if your goal is to hurt then you need to go, go back to your room, pray, calm down, listen to some music and try it again later, because that is never going to work out well. So yeah. we have to be self-aware so that we are able to decipher what is the purpose of what I'm about to say. And Gary Chapman, he shares that really well in a book called, uh, the marriage I always wanted or something like that. He really yeah. goes into that. Gosh, I love that. Okay. So you talked a little bit about the communication atmosphere, like context. And are, mm -hmm. are there anything else around that, that we need to be aware of for communication <laughs> strategy? That's what I want to know. Come on, like, <laughs> so that model, there's that model. I love there are tons of things in it. But one that I really would like to share is it talks about noise, basically saying, I, as the speaker, I'm the communicator, and there's a message that I'm sending. But as I'm sending that message, there's noise. Noise, you can almost think about it as the enemy, as Satan. Its job mm. is to interfere the message, to chop it up, to break it up somehow. And noise can be internal or it can be external. So if my husband comes to me and he lets me know that there's something he wants to share, my internal noise could be, oh, not this again. It better not be, you know, what happened last week. It better not be this. You know, that could be internal noise or external mm -hmm. noise could be the kids running around the house. External noise could be the television. It could be the music. 
all of those things are interruptions and that interrupts the message. If the message that he's sending to me is interrupted because of the noise, then it is highly likely that my interpretation of the message is going to be off. Mm. And therefore, we did not successfully communicate because I do not clearly understand what he's trying to say. So now that we know about noise, our job to be a good communicator is how can I mitigate, how can I minimize noise? And that goes along with context. I'm going to talk to you when it's quiet, when the kids are asleep. I'm going to give you a few disclaimers so that your internal noise is not going crazy. I'm going to do all of these things so that we have a peaceful setting and we can communicate. I'll pause there. Oh, I love this. I love this so much because I think a lot of our listeners are thinking, oh, the noise is inside of me. And then others are like, oh, the noise are in, is in my kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> so exactly. I love that. I also think noise can be, like you said, hunger, exhaustion, oh. right? Like noise yes. can be all different things. And so um, I just, I love, love, love this. Okay. So what if you have two people in a marriage and one of them is like passionate about communicating everything. And the other one is like, listen, I don't want to talk about any of this. Like, this is just drama. I'm fine. I like our marriage. What's the disconnect there? Because I think there's a lot of people that are listening and I have a lot of friends that I feel this way with their marriages that they've communicated, which is I want to communicate. And the other one's like, I don't really care. I don't want to listen. I just want us to like, anytime there's communication, it means that there's something wrong. And I don't like that feeling. Sure. What I would suggest is you work on it a little bit by little bit. Okay. Simply meaning, uh, I actually posted something about this recently where it says, it talks about effort. Low effort does not produce a high functioning marriage. Wow. Therefore, something that we could do to help communication, we both agree that one, we want to improve it because if we both don't want to improve it, mm -hmm. it's going to be tough. Mm -hmm. So if someone, if the other spouse does not want to improve it, we don't have to push, but let's see if we can get them to agree to something simple. Like every night you have to give them something. So think about what they like to do. If they like dessert, if they like a special meal, if they like to watch a movie, you know, every night before we watch our Netflix, we have to share three things that happened to us that day and share why it was important or why it impacted us and leave it at that. I love that. And what that will do is it helps get you in the habit of sharing before you know it, they're sharing four things. Before you know it, one night you forgot to bring it up and they're like, hey, you didn't share your three things with me. Mm -hmm. Another thing you could ask is pits and peaks. What were your pits of the day? Meaning what mm -hmm. went wrong? What were some of your peaks of the day? It doesn't have to be long, but if we get into the habit of doing this every day, it's going to open up communication and it's going to make discussing the harder things easier. I love that. Love, love, love. I totally agree. And also for somebody, uh, you know, I don't enjoy, <laughs> I, 
I, I tend to avoid things that feel hard or sad. Yeah. It's my personality type. So mm-hmm. the three allows there to be a start and a stop. It gives me yeah. parameters so that my anxiety or fear or whatever, whoever's listening, right. Can go, mm-hmm. okay. I know when this stops, this is not a two hour conversation about every part in your heart, but I know it's at a three, three point or a one point or a one peak and one, you know, pit that we're going to talk right. about today. Love, right. love, love, love. Brilliant. Okay. Yes. So Alice, how do people, what if they're not great at communicating verbally, how else mm-hmm. can they communicate with their spouse? If that's not their top strength. Something that I hear often for people who are not really into communicating verbally. And some of you may be like, Oh, sex. Sure. Right. That's a way to communicate. <laughs> but <laughs> if we'd like to communicate um, our feelings and emotion and emotions, it's writing. Mm. I've heard of couples having a notebook, actually a good friend of mine, they have a notebook where they will write messages to each other and they'll leave it on like some, some area in their home. And you know, when the notebook is out, there's a message for you. You go through, you read the message and they can write one back. And I think that's a good way to start by having a notebook or having a journal that's specific for communicating with one another. But I would challenge you, even if you find yourself in that situation, you need to talk. You need to talk, verbally communicate, because it just gives people an opportunity to understand your heart a little bit more. So I would say, allow that to be the first step But then, you know, plan a cute in-house date night, plan something simple, but cute and say, okay, we're going to review the notes that we wrote to each other, just so that you can really start deepening that intimacy through vulnerability and healthy communication. Okay. So Alice, I'm not to play the devil's advocate, but what if someone says like, why do we need to communicate that much? Like, I don't understand, like we're at peace. If we start bringing up all the stuff, it's going to add drama to our marriage. I I mean, I know the answer to that, but I think there are listeners out here that are like, why is there value in this? Sure. Um, Let's talk about that for a minute. What I like to say is in a marriage, I'll speak from my point of view. I want my husband to know me better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. I want to know him better than anyone else. If that's your goal, if your goal is to really know and understand your spouse, which I would encourage that to be anyone who's married, like, I think that's a good goal to have. Yeah. You know, if that (laughs) is your goal, then the only way to know them is by speaking, by talking, by sharing. We withhold information from our spouse intentionally. And someone may say, no, I'm not doing that intentionally. But yes, you are. Because when they ask you a question, we are thinking, am I going to answer that or am I not? Am I going to be honest or am I going to withhold some of the truth? So these are intentional things. We're making choices. And every time we choose to withhold information, we are choosing not to go deeper in our intimacy with them. And in my opinion, a marriage is about intimacy. Intimacy is a deep familiarity. 
It's not just sex, it's knowing them. And the only way they're going to know me is if I share. If I do not share, they will not know me. And then guess what? Someone else might share information with them. I'm not even going there. We're not trying to place (laughs) fear, okay? That's not the goal. But the idea is when you hear about individuals who often have an affair, it's because they're becoming intimate, they're becoming familiar with someone else. And and what you're saying, which I totally agree, is intimacy is a human core need that no matter what, if we act like it's not there, there will be an appetite for intimacy at some place, whether that's with someone else, whether that's with, um, you know, something on the computer, something that is going to try to meet that need of being known and seen in our darkest parts. So we might present our positives to our spouse, our family, but intimacy, at least I've found in my own marriage. And again, I'm I'm speaking from my own story, but Mm -hmm. when I reveal the deepest, darkest, not the high peaks, but the pits of my mind, my heart, my Mm -hmm. choices to my spouse, there's always a little bit of fear. Like, oh my gosh, are they going to they're going to reject me. They're not going to want to hear this. They're going to feel like I'm not the person they thought they married. Mm -hmm. But with Ben and I have exchanged the dark parts of our story, our lives, there is an intimacy that literally feels like it's power. And then everything gets better. Like the sex gets better. The story gets better. The, the Mm -hmm. it's us against the world. It's like all of a sudden, something shifts. But again, I married somebody, Ben, who wasn't used to sharing that. And I came Mm -hmm. from a family that we overshared, but not our needs, our wants. Mm -hmm. And that was a very different experience to share what I want, what I, but versus like, Hey, I really need this. I wasn't good at sharing that. So I think there's a lot of people that are listening to this, that you're thinking it's not a big deal. And I love what you're addressing, which is you're leaving your partner vulnerable when you're unwilling to go there, you're leaving your partner. And again, you might have a partner who's just, you know, he's a, he's a punk or she's a punk and she's not going to go there with you. And that there's, you can't control where they'll go, but what you can do is set them up for success by vulnerably sharing for a minute. So here's my question. So what does it look like to have this success in our lives, like to win every day in this moment, like what will that look like for the average marriage? And is there like a parameter for that? Or is it really individual? I think it's individual, but I think overall it's having that safe space, you know, when you're intimate with one another, which I like to say, it's not a destination. Intimacy Mm -hmm. is not a destination. So it's not, Oh, me and my husband are intimate we don't have to talk anymore. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we're intimate. No, it's a journey because as individuals, we're always evolving. We're always changing. I believe I heard someone say something like, you know, oh, I've married seven women, you know, since I first got married. And they're like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, after year three, she changed. Then year six, she changed. You know, like we're changing and we're evolving and that's okay. So what it looks like is it's a safe space. I feel safe with you. I mean, even think about our relationship with our father, with God, we feel safe. We should feel safe where we can come as we are. We can lay our burdens at his feet. We feel safe and that's what we want our marriage to feel like. We want it to be a safe place. 
where we can talk about anything, we can discuss anything, and we know that we're going to get through it without judgment. I love this. This is revelatory. Like, I hope that everyone listening to this understands that this, after I'm 16 years in, but I'm like, wow, I could have learned this five, 10, 15 year markers. This was incredibly important. And watching my parents who've been married for almost 50 years, um, they've done really well at some of this. And it really is part of this part. It's not how good, you know, I mean, again, there's other things that, that relate to it, but this is the part where I can only bring myself and I can only bring the wholeness of myself and the dark and the good, all of it together. And and I present it to someone, but I love what you mentioned, which is we start with God. So we start by telling him the darkest parts and the scariest parts and the best parts. And that gives us the habit of feeling safe. So we can go into a human relationship and try it again. I I love this. I love this. I love this. So let me ask you for the listeners that are here that want more from you, where do they find you? and, And what other resources would you recommend for them? Wow. So I have something that I created called the love journal. And that is something that I recommend for anyone who is married, especially if you love keepsakes. I'm a writer. You know, I'm one of those individuals where when I feel a lot of emotion, I like to write it down and then I can converse about it or uh, discuss it. And so the love journal, I like to call it date night in a book. Mm. It's something where we have entries. These entries are intentionally designed to deepen intimacy through healthy communication. It's not conflict resolution. It's definitely something that you fill out when you're in a good space, but it talks about memories. What are some things that we've gone through together? It talks about meditations. What are some things that we're learning? And these are a part of the entries. So we would write down, what am I learning about love? What am I learning about life? What are things that have happened to us, you know, within the past six months that we want to journal and keep in our books and even affirmations, which is my favorite part. It's like a love letter. You know, it's me affirming my spouse that's in your entry, but it also has interviews and quotes from various couples sharing their hard moments and their happy moments and things that help their marriage thrive. And I love the interview section because I can literally go through and pick a question and I can ask my husband the same question. So I can read the other couple's answers, but then we can create our own answers. And then lastly, the journal also has activities. And the activities are amazing. They go from sensual to things that really help you open up on topics that maybe you haven't discussed before. What are some of your dreams? What are some of your goals? As a family, what are some of our values? So I just like to say that the book is very intentional. And I believe that every married couple would benefit from using it. My husband and I, we've been using it for 11 years. before I created the book, it's something that we did starting on our first anniversary. So we wow. have a collection of like 11 years worth of entries. It's pretty, Oh my pretty cool. gosh. Oh, that is, yeah. I, it sounds incredible. I'm definitely excited about getting this and pretty cool. we will link all of this in the show notes, you guys. So if you want to pick up your love journal, you can, and, yes. and I'm assuming you are Alice Sanders on Instagram. Is that correct? 
I am the official love journal. So it's sort of, I love it, (laughs) but it's the official love journal. And if you are interested in creating some of those date nights that I said, how you can create a safe space to share information with one another, follow me on the official love journal at Instagram and click on the link at the top, click on the link. And it's a little packet, a date night packet that you can get. It's free. It's a free date night packet. And I think it has an activity. It has a checklist of how you can sort of transform your kitchen, your living room into a nice romantic area and have an intentional date. Let's yeah. go. And and I remember with Littles, it's like I needed something free, fast. <laughs> yes, it could be in my I house love, where I didn't have life. to put pants on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So yes. especially with all of our inflation, like let's have date nights at home. So in I love house, it. Please. In the and house. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Alice, you are incredible. I hope that you'll come back on the podcast. This has been so enlightening. And for all of you that are curious, we'll put all this in the show notes. We want you to win you. in your relationships yes. and marriage. Marriage is a God idea. It's not just a human idea. And in marriage is where God gets glorified and we get to actually love others well. So yes. Alice, thanks for being on here. Everybody who's listening today, don't forget to like the, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, throw it in the reviews. We read every single one of them and other people can find it as well by leaving that review. So you guys hope you win in the everyday. Alice, have a great day and we Thank will talk you. to you soon. Bye. Thank you.